You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. Hard to believe, but it's that time of the week again. Yes, it's time for State of Football Nation on FNR, Football Nation Radio. George Danikian, along with Josh Parrish, to talk football, to talk about the round ball code, and to discuss the fact that we're, what is it, almost 30 days away from a brand new A-League season, a new A-League women's season, Mm -hmm. and a new A-League youth season. Can you believe it, uh, Josh? Yeah, it's been the longest off-season ever, or at least it's felt like it. And uh, I'm really excited for the, the football to get back underway after such a long, long break. Uh, what's also seriously exciting is the uh, announcement only yesterday of the Channel 10 Paramount Plus team. And it looks like a, a pretty fair uh, spread of new talent, a couple of old heads. And I'm sure, uh, I'm sure Simon Hill won't mind me saying that. Andy, mate, Andy Harper, mate, but... Um, uh, it's good to see some very familiar faces. Uh, Tara Rushton may well be the host of the Saturday Night Show, which will be, I suppose, their feature production, which will lead them into the game, the feature game of the round, the halftime break, and then, of course, the post, which is much of what she did uh, at her time at Fox. What have you made of that? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll line up with many faces already familiar to Australian football fans. Uh, I think important to note, this is the Channel 10 lineup and the Paramount Plus uh, lineup uh, editions have not yet been announced. So uh, that's the explanation as to why Simon Hill is the only play-by-play caller listed amongst them. Uh, There will be a few extras uh, added to the the Paramount Plus lineup when the the full roster of of presenters and commentators is is revealed. So I'm excited to see... uh, who uh, Paramount and uh, Viacom CBS plums for in, in those roles because I think that's the most important position to get viewers watching the game and keep them watching the A-League. Uh, if there are commentators that grate or that people aren't fans of, it can make watching the league very, very difficult. You can never please anybody when you're behind the mic, as I've uh, found out in my MPL stuff. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see uh, who who's... Uh, Line up to to get those games. Assuming Simon isn't doing, you know, six games a weekend. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure that would be the the best way to use Simon. But um, it, it look, it's it's going to be exciting. Um, I think what I'm really excited about, and I wonder if if you've got a copy of the new Channel Ten ad that uh, started already working across the marketplace. Yeah, that's um, marvelous work, I have to say. I, I really enjoyed it. It's really engaging. Uh, I think it spoke to the experience of uh, both you know existing A-League fans, but also just the wider football community and the grassroots participants that we're trying to convert into A-League fans. Uh, yeah, great ad. I really enjoyed it. Uh, did you like the fact the ball went over the fence and it took the old guy to kick it back? Yeah, I think that's the the grassroots experience that it was connecting to. I think that's a that's a universal one. Uh, everyone who grew up kicking a football would relate to that. So, yeah, that 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 was marvelous. I really liked it. Yeah, no, look, I, I think I, that also, in very many ways, is the best example where where Ten and Paramount Plus are likely to take the game. Mm. They're, they're looking at youth, of course, because that's the promise of tomorrow, and they're the, the new fans. They're your customers. And uh, excitingly, 
they're pitching it in, in a manner that is as appealing and as exciting as possible. They're letting all the tricks out. It's almost like, um, uh, you know, every World Cup, we get a composite side of superstars and whether it's Nike or Adidas or, or whoever has the rights, you see them in this fantasy game at halftime and kicking the ball to each other. Mm. Uh, and, and it's been quite spectacular. And it has a little touches of that. Yeah, I think all the best uh, sports promotions uh, take you back to your childhood and the original magic of the game in some sense, no matter what the code is. So I think that's a, a tried and, and tested formula to you know elicit an emotional reaction from the audience and get them on side. So yeah, very exciting. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, one before we get to our first guest, who is of course two, one of the two Carls. We actually, we have two Carls today. Carl Robinson from Western Sydney Wanderers and Carl Viet, the coach of the Adelaide Reds. And we'll be talking to Carl Viet first. But before we get there, I just want to find out what's the latest, the state of play on uh, the NPL decision that we've been waiting almost a couple of weeks for. Um, you promised me that this week we would have a decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, has there been an outcome and was it one that makes sense? Or have we seen them basically... Um, find a way not to make a decision. Yeah, I'm quite surprised and a little bit you know, disappointed to see that uh, there have been no promotions into the MPL ranks. There have only been a few movements uh, based on a vacancy that uh, occurred in State League 1 and one club moving up uh, the ranks from each division below. Uh, so that was going to be filled anyway. That was inevitable. Uh, so there are no major structural changes to the competitions, no expansion of numbers, uh, no teams promoted based on table position into the MPL or up the MPL divisions in Victoria, and not even expansion of uh, the WMPL, which I think was the bare minimum, to be honest. Eight teams is just not enough. It's uh, a very limited uh, competition, which is been a closed league for a long time and finally we got pro rel to the the newly named women's super league the second division and the season didn't get completed and now we're still stuck with the same eight teams WMPL is becoming very stale in victoria in particular i'm uh, very disappointed for both preston and, and burundara who who weren't elevated in, in that but it seems as if uh, the decision that was supposed to be made on Thursday night was was voted down, and now you know, as we heard from the United Josh, Football Group, they might be considering their uh, their legal options. Josh, was it a case of voted down, or was it a case of put in the too hard basket? Yeah, well, uh, everything I heard out of the meeting was that it was successful. Um, so it's very strange to turn around and see the news uh, yesterday that it wasn't. Uh, I wonder what's happened in the meantime and why the uh, news seems to have changed. Maybe my mail was wrong. Maybe it was voted down on on Thursday night, but it just seems as if uh, inaction is uh, the easy way out here. And uh, I'm I'm disappointed because I think it would have reinvigorated a competition that has had two abandoned seasons and no movement in those two years. And if you think about it, it would play uh, or dovetail beautifully with the arrival of the new look A-League, men's, women's and youth. It would show you that we're turning a chapter, you know, we're turning the page and making something positive and bringing the old and the new closer and closer together. And some of the grand old clubs that have been on the outer that that haven't had a chance to showcase and flex their muscle, 
Um, we need them back in the competitions, all competitions, uh, ASAP. And of course, we're getting a snippet of that. We're getting a touch of that and a flavour of that with the FFA Cup, uh, which is now down to the uh, final 16. And we'll be talking to Carl Viet because his Reds got very, uh, very successful only the other day, the last weekend. Yeah, they, they took uh, on Adelaide Olympic. And what, what happened there? They did indeed. It was a local derby, if you like. I'm not sure if it's a derby if these two teams don't have much history of playing each other, but certainly a local uh, rivalry of NPL yeah. side versus A-League is always good fun to watch. Uh, early goal off a set piece, but after that, Olympic really held their own with quite a young midfield and uh, I thought played quite well. There was chances for Adelaide to, to polish it off for sure in the second half. Uh, ben Halloran, the uh, chief amongst them, missing a a really good one-on-one opportunity and a, a penalty, which is brilliantly saved by uh, Lewis Moss, the uh, tall and spindly and uh, quite crafty goalkeeper for Olympia. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Gamesmanship has been very much in the news all week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I want you to tell me, was this, as a, as a in your guise as a one-time referee, legit or pushing the edge? I think all great gamesmanship, George, is pushing the envelope slightly and seeing what you can get away with. And in this case, it was pouring a little bit of his water bottle on the penalty spot, which didn't please Ben Halloran too much. I don't think it made any material difference to the surface, but yeah. it's all about getting in the head, right? And uh, Lewis Moss did a marvellous job of that. So you're telling me Halloran missed the penalty, huh? Yeah, it was a brilliant save. It was one of those at a quote-unquote good height for a goalkeeper, but it was hit mighty hard and he got across really really fast got a strong right hand to it and uh tipped it over the crossbar which is a a brilliant effort from you know semi-pro goalkeeper who's a wildlife photographer in his uh in his day-to-day job so i suppose (laughs) he's pretty active i was going to say this is what happens when you do something a little bit out of the norm and suddenly you get this rush of publicity your way uh, you know what? What the, the media does, of course, is it starts scouring every every uh, contingency, every possibility to find out a bit more about you, whoever you might be. Mm-hmm. So good to know that we have uh, a rather a cheeky, spindly um, goalkeeper who is up to no good most of the time and does a pretty good job getting away with it. Yeah, absolutely. He was, he was great value. I love the characters. Um, in terms of who actually stood out. Um, as maybe a prospect on the day was young uh, Michael Chittadina, who was playing in a sort of attacking midfield role. I thought he was exceptional and I only found out after the game that he's only 18 years old. So I think he may have turned some heads with that performance and I wouldn't be hugely surprised to see him on the books of an A-League club before long. Now, yet again, the FFA Cup proving to be a terrific shopping window for Mm. clubs looking for talent outside the normal venues that they go seeking talent. Yeah, and it's always hard to judge that talent uh, based on the quality of opposition. But when you're playing against an A-League team and the pressure's on and the quality is there that you're playing against, I think it makes it a safer bet for clubs who are examining a guy in the MPL and thinking, can he cut it? So it's, it is such a good shop window because of the intention, but I think it's a proving ground as well. Look, we've got our first guest just about ready to join us. His name is Carl Viet. He's the coach of the Adelaide Reds. And he's given some youngsters, some seriously talented youngsters, uh, a terrific opportunity over the last season or two. Um, and I'm just wondering, has he got a few more in his kitty that he might, might unleash 
for the opening rounds of the new A-League, which is just about a month away. Uh, we might take a break. This is State of Our Football Nation. Josh uh, Parrish, of course, running the gun and, and looking after the, the whole program. And uh, yours truly, George Tadekian. We do this every Thursday. It gives us a chance to find out a bit more about what's happening in the game across the country and across the world. This is Sufin, or State of Our Football Nation, on FNR. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. State of Our Football Nation on FNR. George Denethian, uh, Josh Parrish running the controls. And the first of the Carls joining us on the program is Carl Viet. Carl, welcome to the program. Good to have you on board. Thank you for having me. And can you believe the season uh, is almost upon us? Yeah, it seems like um, it was an eternity last season. So um, very much looking forward to the start of this new season. Now, you've had the opportunity in South Australia and in WA to play some um, regular football and regular competition. It's been a bit more difficult for the Eastern States. Um, what have you enjoyed most? Is it getting a bit more understanding into the youngsters or or testing a few more in the kitty and and seeing just how much talent you have, because some of the star, some of the youngsters that have come out of the um, the Adelaide uh, nursery, they've been astonishing. Um, yeah, I suppose we've um, you know we've brought a couple more younger players into the squad this year, and they've had a, a run out in the FA Cup so far, and it's been exciting to see them. Um, and it's just exciting to get back and play some games that mean something. Um, so it gives us a lot more. Um, focus from the players and you know and we can give them more feedback in those games as well uh, one of those youngsters a 15 year old called nesta tell us a bit, bit more about nesta yeah young nesta he um he joined our youth program at the beginning of this season he was um, before that he was at the adelaide raiders soccer club and we brought him across to the youth team and yeah he's a very exciting young boy um he had a run out with us on on tuesday night um, in one of our trial games, and, and he scored a goal. So, um, look, he's um, another one of these exciting young players that um, have a lot of speed and like to run at defenders. Cal Viet, the one thing I would say normally would be it must be in the water. But having lived in Adelaide, I know it's not in the water, mate. <laughs> so no. No, no smart Adelaidean would drink anything resembling Adelaide water. So what is it? What are we doing right in South Australia? We've seen this with this this absolute rush of youngsters, and Nestor is fifteen, and mm. you, you gave him a run at the paddock against the uh, the Para Hills um, Knights on Tuesday, and he scored a goal. So, what is it that you're doing right? Look, I think um, at the introduction of the new curriculum, going back, um, what was that? Maybe nine, ten years ago. Um, South Australia really embraced that. The designated player this year, Daniel Sturridge for, for the glory, Adam Lafondre for Sydney. Um, I'm wondering who Western, Western Sydney will have. Uh, but you've got, I, you've got a plethora of super young stars who have got so much talent, though. Um, have we found any, any, more new, any, any, any extra ones to the ones, to the two rays and, uh, and others that we saw last year? Um, show, yeah, you know, excites so many of us. Yeah, look, I think we've seen in the first couple of FA Cup games, young Bernardo, 
um, he Cassio's um, son that's you know a great of the club Cassio um, his young son now is starting to break it break into our scenes and he's started our last two FA Cups and he's a very exciting player to watch. Um, he's the type of player that, um, you know, the supporters will, you know, really enjoy and and come out to see the skills that he has. Um, now, your first game, have you seen the schedule? You know who you're playing? Yeah, we're away to Perth um, Glory, so um, we'll get the first look at um, Sturridge. So it's, um, it'll be a, a very good test for our defensive qualities. Probably good to uh, play gonna, against him before I was he say, says, what did you What did you say <laughs> to yourself or, and to the players when you heard that Daniel Sturridge ha- had been uh, the pickup for the Perth Glory as their designated player? Yeah, I suppose it's a great um, advertisement for the A League to get uh, to attract a player of that quality, um, and you just hope that he can come and and play to that high level that he's he's played at in in the UK. So. Um, because it'd be exciting for our young players to see a player that's played at the highest level. Uh, it is a seriously exciting. Uh, ex Chelsea, ex Manchester United, and of course ex Liverpool. And uh, it, it, that's just about the entire um, EPL fan base in Australia, isn't it? Except, yeah. <laughs> for, except for Spurs and Arsenal. And I don't mention Arsenal in the same breath. <laughs> Yeah, most definitely. As you said, he's had great pedigree and, you know, you just hope that he can come here and, except for when he plays Adelaide, he can do what he's he's done in his career. Um, now, tell me, you had a terrific run and uh, you're into the top 16 now of the FFA Cup. What are you making of this FFA Cup, especially now that it's gone from a midweek competition to a standalone weekend affair where you get the coverage and you get everything else that goes along with it. Yeah, look, I, I think it's exciting. Um, it's more exciting to for the supporters to be able to see that more readily. And I think that that's something that's going to be exciting about the new A-League season this year with the coverage from, from Channel 10 and Paramount. Um, it's so more easily accessible to the supporters. Um, and my understanding that the coverage is going to be a lot um, of higher quality than what it has been in, in the last two or three seasons. Uh, are we going to see uh, more changes to Hindmarsh? Um, yeah, we're in the process of... Oh, sorry, uh, Coopers, 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 Coopers. Yeah, we're in the process of, um, I think they're just finishing off new, um, grand, um, the new um, change room. So we've got four new change rooms there and they're starting the, to put the roof on the on the eastern side. Wow, that is so, so exciting to hear because that venue, I've watched it now um, for uh, the old NSL games I've watched it for Olympic competition and uh, I've seen it uh, as a World Cup qualifier. It really is a boutique stadium and it's getting better and better and better. And let me tell you, um, if you're playing there, you feel it. You know everybody around you. There are, there are no uh, shady spots where you can hide. No, it's a, it's a great stadium and I, was, I think the... The luxury of it is that the, no matter where you are in the stadium, that you're going to get a good seat and you're close to the action. That's the you know the the greatness of, of the stadium, and that's why our supporters um, get right behind our team and they they do lift our team because they are so close. So who's up next in the uh, FFA Cup for you? Um, we're not sure. They'll have to. I think they've got another draw coming up, um, and I think that we'll try and get those games done in December. So um, it's not too far away. Uh, and last but not least, what did you make of the uh, new commercial that Channel 10 and Paramount Plus have just released 
um, showcasing the game. Yeah, I think it's great. As I said um, earlier, I think the Paramount Plus and Channel 10 now, they're going to get right behind the game and, and put it to where it, where it should be in the, the front of everyone because um, we have a great product. And at times, as always, we undersell the product that we have. And as you said, um, we've got some great young talent coming through. And we saw that last season. More more clubs gave opportunities to young players. And hopefully that carries on through this season. And we've brought some great players back as well. So it's going to be a very exciting season ahead. Who's your first keeper? Do you know yet? Uh, last year, um, it was James and Joe Gauchy. So, um, again, um, Joe's... Um, Missed most of pre-season with an injury, so it'll be James Delanoff. He'll be there number one starting the season. But um, once Joe gets Joe Gatch gets up and fit again, it'll be a close competition between those two young keepers. You've got some terrific talent there between the sticks, uh, Carl. Uh, I wish them a, a fantastic season. Um, you, you, you know full well that uh, every team is set up when they've got a good keeper and a good strong spine, and then then it's up to the the boys at the other end or the girls at the other end who have the talent and the wherewithal to break down defences, uh, which is something you did a lot a lot more often than you than you give us uh, to believe. Uh, we enjoyed watching you play. Um, we like the style of play that you've unleashed over the last year or two. And if you've got more youngsters like you've, you've given us a preview, uh, it's going to be a seriously exciting season for the Adelaide Reds. Yeah, most definitely. And I think that's something that the club has... I'm really um, embraced in giving our younger players an opportunity and it's exciting for those players that are at the club now, but it's also exciting for the players that are in our youth team that they can see that there's a pathway there. If they work hard, that we will give them an opportunity. That's fantastic. You're right. The pathways, so, so important because it's their career, especially if they, they give it their all and if they stay away from injury, it's a terrific path. And not only that, it's, it allows them to travel the world because the world would be their oyster. It's a, it's a, it's a sport played just about on every, uh, in every country and uh, the biggest competitions in the world are craving to see new talent. Uh, there might be a few Australians, uh, let's hope, in the EPL, the CETAR, the uh, La Liga. There are some youngsters out there who uh, are also showing their wares, um, but uh, we wish you every success this season. And thanks very much for joining us on FNR. And as we get closer, I'd love to get you back just before we start the season proper. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. And I'm gladly um, come back at any time. All right. Thank you very much. Carl no. Viet on FNR. And we'll be back very, very shortly with uh, yet another guest and an opportunity to talk a little bit more about the state of the game in Australia. You're listening to the state of our football nation on FNR. Uh, welcome back. This is uh, an opportunity to talk a bit more about the game. Josh Parrish has joined me now. Uh, apologies to those of you uh, that were watching and uh, it suddenly went blank. Apparently somebody's computer, no names, no pack drill, uh, just had a little glitch. Um, in television parlance, they're called gremlins. You know anything about gremlins, Josh? I know you're not supposed to get them wet. Uh... <laughs> Correct. You're Correct. not supposed Wait. to get your laptop wet either. Uh, that wasn't oh. the case, thankfully. <laughs> okay. So we're back up. We're, we are running. Uh, apologies to the last segments, to the um, a few questions there with Carl Viet, who was terrific 
gave us a sense of uh, just how important it's been to play some key games before the season starts. They've had a chance to play some meaningful uh, football, uh, some FFA Cup games. They've made it to the, la the last 16. They're now waiting uh, for the draw to see who they play next. And in the meantime, he's uh, wetting the, um, uh, some of that talent, giving it a chance to settle itself before the competition starts. But uh, as Adelaide mentioned, as Carl Viet mentioned, they're not in a position, unlike some of the other A-League clubs in the country, to use the new designated player rule. Um, but uh, they're, they're throwing themselves at that magnificent nursery that's continuing each and every season to throw up three, four, five young stars who really bring something special to the game. Um, you've certainly enjoyed calling them, um, the games that is, and you've, you've, you've repeatedly said to me, love that talent coming through. How do they do it? Well, he gave us a glimpse. They, like, they just say to them, you play, we'll, we'll give you a pathway. Yeah. Um, Adelaide have been wholly committed and have put, you know, they're, there's a, it's easy to talk about youth development and, and words, talk is cheap, as they say, uh, yep. but Adelaide actually do give young players opportunities. And you can argue that that's, you know, part of the business model of the owners that they don't want to spend too much money and they're, yep. uh, you know, flogging players overseas and that's part of the model. It's a benefit to Australian football, so I don't really care because, uh, all of these young players getting match minutes means that we see guys like Mo Toure and Cassini Yengi come through where in other clubs, their progress might've been stifled and they might've had to go overseas uh, to get that kind of opportunity. 10 years ago to see a 15 year old playing in the A-League was they came on for a minute or two mm -hmm. late in the game to uh, basically take up time. Um, we're, we're, we're likely to see, and what he's told us there um, in that interview, he says not only has he got young Nesta from their youth uh, setup coming through at 15, but he's got Cassio's son, who who is a legend at the club, and and he's about the same age. And uh, they say he's seriously talented and someone that they're going to put a lot of faith in. That is just awesome. I mean, that gives us uh, an opportunity to say that the next four years we're going to see a new crop of Ollie Roos and, and let me tell you, a new crop of Socceroos because as we're finding out, even in the Matildas, who are about to play some games, some meaningful games against Brazil, uh, uh, the, the coach, uh, Tony Gustafsson, who's finally landed in Australia, he says um, that he's going to expose some seriously young talent to that um, cauldron called international football. And what have I heard? He's got, a, he's got an 18-year-old uh, who loves running at defences and terrorising them. She's from Penrith. I think she plays for the Wanderers. Mm -hmm. Her name's Bria Henry. And uh, he's, he's just told her, I think, she's been called up to play for the, for the Matildas against Brazil. After just 11 W League games... And I can't say W League because it. it was called the W League when she played them. Uh, but two goals, six starts, that is uh, quite the return on your uh, burgeoning professional career to get a Matilda's call-up after 11 professional games. Uh, I've got to say, I love it. I absolutely love it. I think if you're good enough, you're old enough. Mm. Um, and forget whether you've had one game or 10 games. 
uh, we saw we've seen two youngsters come out of Melbourne. Mind you, mind you, they're both Sydney boys originally, um, Azani and Tilio, and we've loved that progress. And we've watched people go. There's no way these guys can play for Australia, and there's no way they can play for the uh, Ollie Roos. And just remind me again, and remind the audience, what did both those players do? Thanks. <laughs> Made an impact. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 exciting stuff. And Adelaide, bring it on. We 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 thank Carl Viet uh, for giving us uh, the opportunity to to discuss his preparations and uh, some of the things that he's learned from from Zoran Matic. And he said Zoran was tough but he could also be very, very generous. And um, I think um, um, Carl would love to have a rerun of that career of his because, he's, as he said, as a country boy, he came down a little bit wide-eyed, you know, didn't really push it too hard, had enough talent to play and, and scored some great goals and played in some terrific teams. But he would love, on reflection, maybe to, to try it, maybe try it a little harder. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's interesting as a coach to have those, uh, you know, moments of hindsight in your career and think about what you would tell your younger self. And that's basically what you tell the players that you're coaching. Uh, if you could go back in time, what would I want to, What would I uh, have wanted to know? Um, but, George, before we get Carl Robinson on, I think there's a, a bit of controversy brewing in, uh, in the West with uh, Perth Glory having to move their home FFA Cup game against Melbourne Victory to Victoria with the continual hard border closure. And uh, Tony Sage and uh, uh, has re- really called for Victory to have to forfeit the fixture instead of doing that. Uh, I don't know where you come down on this. I, I think that would be a little bit extraordinary if Football Australia were to make that decision. Uh, surely the, the game being played matters more than where it's played. Yes, I concede that. I concede that point. It's important to play the game, but yet again, it puts them at a at a distinct disadvantage. Mm. You're asking Perth Glory, and and it happens in every other sport. Uh, if you play in Perth and you have to travel like very few other clubs and other other teams, and we've seen it in the AFL, we've seen it in the cricket, but I still think. If it's a good, strong side and it has the right spirit about it and they don't dwell on, you know, the discomfort and the fact that they're being um, uh, pushed out of their comfort zone to play a home game away, I think if you just say to yourself, no, no, we're good enough to win and uh, we're going to showcase our designated player and he's going to rip you guys apart, Um I think that's the way to go. But I can understand how Tony Sage feels. There is one um, I, further complicated factor. I think deep down he loves the us and them. <laughs> there is yeah. one. F- yes, Tony Sage leans into that uh, very effectively, I think. And yeah, he does. And savvy on his part because I think it plays up to the you know the parochial oh, yeah. supporters in, in the West. But uh, the, there's one other complicating factor, which is the winner of this tie is scheduled to play against Adelaide City, uh, oh. who, of course, progress. So that means that Adelaide City has to keep training and keep playing their play, paying their players for weeks and weeks and weeks on end until this game can finally be scheduled in Victoria. And it's actually Greg Griffin, who's the chairman of that club, who you might remember from his uh, Adelaide United days. And yep. uh, he's, he's called 
um, on the the governing body to hand Perth Glory the the forfeit win and and saying that it's a it's a farcical situation that uh, basically denies Adelaide City a fair chance of proceeding to the next stage because they'll be training on their own and uh, not playing any competitive fixtures in that that time span. Look, a lot of that a lot of that commentary is on the money. Mm. They will be playing uh, very few games, but they'll be training. Uh, we've seen other teams do it. Um, we've seen them in the FFA Cup. I think it was Bentley Greens. They had the youngsters there playing, playing, playing uh, with no meaningful uh, competition until they played this particular game. And they made it all the way to, I think, was it the semifinals? Um, that's not a bad effort for an, no. for an MPL side. And um, everybody jumped on board. I can remember turning up at the ground to see the contest between Perth Glory and um, the Bentley Greens. And there were more outside broadcast vans there, that ground, uh, than I had seen at any game in the last 10, 15 years. So they captured the imagination of just about everybody. And when you see commercial news outlets there covering the game, you know that, um, you know, they've done something special. So maybe, maybe uh, it might be an opportunity for another heroic uh, set of uh, deeds to be done um, and uh, we might be able to have uh, some great storylines for the new FFA Cup season and of course the uh, the, the opening rounds of the uh, of the A-League the A-League men's the A-League women's and the mm-hmm. A-League youth look it's it's I'm getting excited uh, watching the the new ads listening to some of the uh, the talk back and and more than anything else Seeing the the amount of posts on social media right across the board, that t- suggests to me that we're on to something exciting. Yeah, I mean, this is this is of course a play-in game for for victory because they finished on the bottom of the ladder. So maybe then the position of uh, the forfeit is a little bit more reasonable because victory maybe shouldn't have qualified for the competition anyway, and this was sort of the. Uh, concession that uh, Football Australia made to those bottom two sides that they would have an opportunity to play their way in. Um, but uh, maybe that was a mistake in hindsight to create these extra fixtures and the headache. Um, you know, it's it's easy to say now with all the lockdowns we've had in the meantime. Uh, but George, we better take a break because uh, Carl Robinson is waiting for us on the other side. Fantastic. Let's do it. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. State of our football nation on FNR. George Danikin, Josh Parrish, and the second of the Carls joining us on the program this, this afternoon. Uh, first, it was Carl Viet. This time, it's Carl Robinson. Welcome. Welcome, George. How are you? I- I'm okay, but Carl Viet is getting very excited because he tells me he's got a crop of youngsters that he's got to herd on one level, hold them back. He's got to he- he's got to time the run be- before he unleashes them. Uh, how are you coping? Because you you seem to have almost a complete squad and it's made up of some seriously smart youngsters and some wise old heads. Well, this Carl is exactly the same as the previous Carl, but we haven't yet got to play any games. So I'm having to hold my youngsters back because there are no games, but that's shortly changing. So, yeah, no, I'm I'm really happy and content where we are at the moment with the right balance, with the right mix. You know, we, we 
as a club, always invest in our youngsters. And now, you know, in the last 12, 18 months, I think we've put an invested interest on these young ones coming through. You will always have the added adage of when is the right time to throw these youngsters in. Last year, I think lots of clubs took that step upon themselves because there was no other option, really, which showed how much talent we have here in Australia. So when you get talented youngsters, what you can't do is block pathways. You know, what I've tried to do with my squad is integrate the experienced Australian players, the areas I think needed strengthening to supplement the talented youngsters. Because we certainly are like Adelaide. We've got some exceptional young talents coming through and some that haven't haven't actually made their name yet or debuts, but are on the verge of doing it as well. Carol, how hard is it trying to get that that competition going within a squad where they all feel that they've got a hope to play or an opportunity to play and, and still have not the hierarchy, but a certain idea that your 50-gamer is, if, he, if he's playing to form, will likely be the mainstay, but the youngsters, you know, will be chomping at the bit and come training during the week, they're going to be pushing, pushing, pushing to show that they are ready, coach. I think that's the biggest thing for a coach in football is, or a manager is they have to decide when is the right time to throw these kids in because, you know, Arsene Wenger, I've said from previous times that I've, you know, spoken to people about youth development all over the world is, he was the you know, genius at allowing players to play three, four games and then pulling them out. Or right? wow. Even though it was against what the, the normal fan wanted because Aaron Ramsey, Cesc Fabregas were in a run of form, but he knew because young players do have little dips. And if they have a dip and they don't play well, usually they come out of the team anyway. So it's trying to get that time before they dip, bring them out of the team to keep their hunger levels there and their spirits high because they don't their confidence drops and it's hard for a young player because he's not experienced it before and dealing with confidence issues throughout seasons so that's the biggest thing for a manager I think is knowing when to do it and you won't please everyone but it's just being real with them understanding that it's a squad game 11 players don't win you need your full complement of 20 plus players you've, you've brought in some interesting talent and all of it is skilled and capable um, tell us about some of the youngsters well, we, we started building last year. I think there were a few names that come out of it from last year in relation to come from nowhere. You know, and everyone loves a fairy tale story. We know that <laughs> Cinderella. You know, Mark Natter, who hadn't played one minute of, of what, what first team, Thomas Aquilino, who didn't even have a contract. You know, these boys come from nowhere. So we, we were really proud of them because it shows these young players have got to go through adversity, deal with adversity at some point in their careers. You know, some it doesn't happen to until they get to 22, 23, 24, and then they don't know how to deal with it because their expectation is they're a first-team player. So, you know, having it at the early stage of your career is sometimes good because you're always trying to prove people wrong, which is what you have to do in sport anyway. Um, so they were two really pleasing ones. that We you know, signed Daniel Margush last year, a goalkeeper who played 26 games, we had Tate Russell, we had Keanu Bacchus, who put in another fantastic season of 23-plus games. You know, and, and we were delighted with that blend. This year, you know, I've got three or four talented 15, 16, 17-year-olds that are frothing at the mouth, wanting to be part of it. And I've had them in in pre-season. Uh, they haven't looked at a place. What they have looked is young talent. Um, but that's why it's important I supplemented that with the experienced players. So someone they can learn from, and more importantly, good people. Because if you've got them with good people, good professionals, then they're able to learn. 
are they big bodies or, or, or small and wiry and, and fast as? They're probably, you know, I'm blessed in the defensive side of the game from last year with, with Nata, with Tass, with uh, Phil Kankar and the fullback scenario. So I was looking for some attacking players. We have got at the moment some really small, nippy, exciting, fast, talented players. Obviously, football's a physical game as well and you have to compete. So it's finding out when is the right time to put them in or put them in. You know, you can't put three or four of them in at the same time because we will struggle from set pieces as an example. So you don't, but you drip feed them in. Um, so that, yeah, they're super little, fast, exciting players. Josh? You've got, a, a, I think, a fast, exciting player from Japan. I don't know too much about him, but he does have quite an impressive CV and it's the latest in a... Uh, a trend of A-League clubs looking for loan deals from the J-League. Uh, how did Kajiro Ogawa come on your radar? Great pronunciation. I would have just called him Ogawa. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, we were, you know, bringing, I bought Rami Najarin in, which was really mm. important for us. I, I did ha- I did actually sign him at Newcastle last year, but didn't play. he didn't play for me because I left before he came in the door. So it shows how keen I was on him as a player because I think, you know, we're scratching the surface with him. You can't go with just one winger or two wingers, so you have to get a little bit of depth. Um, So I was looking for an experienced player in that area. So then comes the the biggest question. Do you go with someone that's 30 plus, that's played a lot of games, that's probably wanting something different? Or do, do you go someone that's never been out of their country, that wants a different challenge, but has got a 300 game under his belt. And Agawa certainly fitted that bill. He can play wide, he can play underneath as a 10, he can play as a false nine. Um, and he's he's quite nippy and he's, he's clever with his movements. And uh, listen, football's played in the head. I say this to my players all the time, it's played up here. If you're able to play up there and deal with the competitive side of it, attacking players, they can play anywhere. And good players always come to the fore. And certainly, he's a, he's a nice addition for us. I think he will help us. Uh, we'll give him time to settle. But it's exciting because it's someone that not many people know about. Uh, obviously, our fans will get to see him a lot more. And obviously, he performs on the field, which is the most important thing. You mentioned Rami there. Bankwest, Bank, Bank, Com, is it? Combank. Combank, Combank Stadium. Combank. Yeah. Combank Stadium, ready for the Matildas on the weekend. Fantastic. Wow. You mentioned Rami there, uh, Carl. I mean, this is sort of a, a fairy tale homecoming for him because he's back to his roots in Western Sydney. He came up through the, the club's MPL ranks, of course, and we saw him at, at Melbourne City. I, I saw a few of his MPL games there, and you know he's just got so much natural technical ability and, and talent. Where do you think he needs to improve to take his game to that professional starting week in, week out, A-League yeah. level? Well, I'm glad you said that because I agree with you 100%. He's such a talented young player, which is why I've signed him twice now. But first of all, the reason why I signed him, not just him, but Dimi Petras, Terry Antonis, Steve Ugagovic, was because they'd got an affinity with the Western Sydney area. You know, I had to get back to the fundamentals and the values of what Western Sydney Wanderers is about. And that is hard work. That's understanding what our supporters, what our people are all about. And who better to know that than the people from the area? You know, it took me 12 months to learn. You know, I was implementing my game model and how we wanted to play and all of these things. But I needed to find players that actually understood what it meant to play for Western Sydney. That's why Rami was a real interesting one for me because he was in the programme. He left the programme, which is what happens sometimes to players. Ideally, we don't want that to happen too often. Um, But there was always an opportunity for him to come back because we always look after our own. So, 
when the opportunity come, you know, I grasped it with both hands. How do we make him the regular A-League player? He showed glimpses last year at Newcastle playing 12 or 13 games. I need to build him up. I need to make him a little bit more robust so he's able to deal with a 26-game uh, season in the A-League because it's not, it's not easy. Um, so he needs to get his body right. He needs to get his head right. His head right is players' heads right if managers believe in them. So you've got to get to know the person, get to know the player, and then coach him. That's my job. So I've done that in pre-season with Rami. He's a phenomenal boy. He wants to learn. He wants to get better. And as a coach, that's all he can ask for. And he wants to wear the shirt. That's the most important thing you touched on just a moment ago. For a young yeah, boy... It's the, it's the main thing. It's the main thing. You know, and everyone... Here in this Western Sydney area, we want players that actually show pride wearing this jersey. Uh, and that's all fans. That, that's why they love the locals. That's why they love the homegrown boys. And what you have to do as a football club is make sure you keep the best ones. You're not going to play every single one. And that's yeah. the next question is, or next answer. People say, well, why did you let him go and him go? Listen, it's football. Sometimes some do go. You know, they go for different reasons. What you have to do as a football club, and that's why you need to be strategic and all on the same page, rowing in the same direction, is not let the best ones go. And if you can do that, you have to create the pathways, play them. The, the coach, the head coach needs to be in sync with the academy because there needs to be a pathway. If there's not and it's blockages, players will leave at will. So you can't have that happen. And obviously, my job is to win games of football as well. So let's not forget that. Touche. It's a results-driven business. Absolutely right. And uh, as we saw overseas, Steve Bruce ran into Tottenham at a time when um, um, he needed a result. By golly, they started really well. What did you make of that first few minutes? Well, it was exciting, wasn't it? It was the Super. fairy tales, dream stuff we talk about. But, you know, I have to say, and it's easy after the event, I actually think that even if they would have won that game, I still think they probably would have come to the same conclusion of Steve Bruce stepping away. I'm glad they allowed him to complete his 1,000th game because what an achievement. First of yeah. all, what a, what a human being. He's a fantastic man. Anyone in football who knows him, who has worked with him, speaks so highly of him. You know, some of the stuff that he had to put up with, I think, was was scandalous and shocking. And he should never have to do that. But unfortunately, in society, that is happening. Um, so, he, you know, I think they made the right decision because it suits both parties. Um, even if they would have beaten Tottenham, I still think this would have been the same outcome. But what an achievement and what a man. How oh, do you yeah. how do you well, shut out that sort of noise and criticism as a coach? I mean, it's, it was next level with Bruce the abuse he was receiving. It was almost impossible to ignore. But how do you yeah. uh, narrow your focus and put your blinkers on when that's happening? Well, you know, the one of the first bits of advice I got given was from John Toshak. He said, "Listen, if you if you want to the you know John Toshak was a legend by the way Thank and you. still is a still is a legend. Um, if you're not ready for someone to criticize you and tell you what you're doing wrong, don't coach." And I thought, well, okay, well, you know, there's 20, you know, at Combank Stadium this year, we'll have 20,000 coaches sitting in the stands looking from above. And that's great. So what you have to do is you have to prepare, right? You have to work as hard as you can. You have to be clear with what you want. You know, people talk about philosophies, game models, methodologies, all of these things. You have to, as a coach, be clear with what you want, make it as simple as possible for the players so it's clear for them, allowing them to express themselves with their freedom. But play the way you want to play. You know, me, a manager, I'm very clear with how I want to play. And some people will say, well, why didn't you go more direct? 
But if I went direct, then some people would say, well, why don't you play more? So, you know, if you play inverted wingers, they'd say play outside wingers. If you play 4-3-3, they'd say play 3-5-2. You know, and, and this, that's, they're entitled to their opinion. And you just got to smile and say, yep, yeah, listen, the thing that I've got here and, and I'm, you know, I'm glad we have here in Sydney is there's some really talented, smart, thinking people about football. You know, so all, all I say is if you've got an opinion, great. Have an opinion of football, but express the opinion in the right way. Discuss. You know, I discuss with my coaches every day. I discuss with my players. My players say, why do we go this way? This is a reason why. And at the end of the day, it's about the players who play. They need to be comfortable. You know, the, the simple fundamental things of football at any club, roll your sleeves up, work as hard as you can, outfight your opponents. They're, they're, you know, they're non-negotiables. The other things are express yourself, play with a smile on your face. Can you do more than the opposition? Share the ball, one ball between 10 players. So you can't have one dribbling all the time, losing it, and the rest of them trying to get it. So, well, but make them engaged in, listen, this is what we're about. We are a team. You are the West. Bring it home. That's the that's the challenge this year. Uh, Carl Robinson, as, as last time we spoke, you've been fantastic and honest and gave us a chance to cover so much uh, territory. There's so much more we want to talk to you about. We've just run out of time. Uh, Josh, have you got anything before we close this? Yeah, no, I think we'll leave it there. Uh, Carl, just uh, thanks for uh, being so open with us and uh, say hi to John Toshak for us. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly will. I keep in touch with him, so that's all good. Mate, uh, just before we go, just reflect for a moment the thousand games as a manager that Steve Bruce managed to complete. That is a phenomenal effort of standing up, coping <sighs> with the different tiers of football and the different responsibilities and all those players and still being able to contribute. And I and I, I agree with you, uh, Ashley, Michael Ashley, was it, uh, was it Michael Ashley? Mike, the, yep. Mike Ashley, the, the former owner, thank God he left. Was it 12 long years? 12, it was a long time, yeah. 12, 12 long, too long for Newcastle fans. Look, it's an exciting period that they're facing, but um, as you touched on a moment ago, um, a very special man who certainly has given above and beyond. And it should be said, He's a Newcastle fan too, isn't he? Well, he wanted to play for the anyone who knows him. He wanted to play for the football club, and he didn't wow. get the chance. And then he managed his boyhood club, right? So it means everything to him. And yeah. I think that is what hurt him the most: is he got to do something which thousands and thousands of Geordie fans would love to do, and he'd wow. done it to the best of his ability. And that's why the criticism, I think, is unfair. Listen, people like change, all right? They always think there's something better out there, which. You know, the finances help as well. So we will clearly see a different type of manager yeah. coming in now. But let's not forget what Steve Bruce done. He took him at to 12th or 13th in the league. You know, he managed his boyhood club because he is one of those Geordie supporters. He's just a Geordie supporter on the touchline. So let's give him his privacy now while he takes time to reflect. Fantastic stuff. Thank you very much, Carl. Thanks, guys. See you soon. All the best. Look forward to it. Okay, there you go. The two Carls and both, uh, I reckon, score five five stars today yeah absolutely it's been a great show thanks george thank you mate all the very best catch you next week you're listening to the state of our football nation on fnr